We were sure that the iPad was on its way to replace the Mac as those two platforms collided. Then came the M1 MacBook. So let's talk about the future of Apple, those pesky rumors of a VR headset. I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Who better to pontificate about where all of this is going than Scott Stein, editor-at-large and Apple expert. So you wrote a commentary today looking at the potential merger of the iPad and MacBook. But as you as you write today, the, the perspective that you've had for a while now has shifted a lot because of the M1. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I've been I've been trying out a, a a loaner unit of an Apple M1 MacBook because I was curious, and um, you know I heard great things about it, and I thought, okay, I know how Macs work, and uh, I've been mainly focused on looking at iPads, and I've been writing about the iPad Mac like dream merger for years, like probably a decade, and uh, it, it did change my perspective in a way that I thought it might. Uh, Apple's chips on these um, are, are trying to make Macs run a lot more smoothly and instantly, which is the territory that I think I, I really put on iPads and on, on iPhones, which was like, oh, this stuff runs really fast. It seems I can get things done, launch things quicker. Why can't I do that as easily on a, on a slogging laptop? Those problems having been solved on the, on the air and so well, I think also removes a lot of that uniqueness from the iPad. And so it makes me wonder, well, what is the iPad for? And if the, and also, if the Mac can do this now really well with an M1 chip, why can't the iPad too? Yeah, and so it's interesting because you it feels like it's a bit of a divergent for, divergent idea from what you'd previously thought of. Like, do you still see these two platforms merging? Because it, it seems like Apple is intent on keeping them separate. I think they have to merge. And I think Apple's claims in this about keeping them separate are, are are posturing because I think that, you know, for, for years now, we have been seeing them get closer and we've seen things be introduced that Apple didn't seem like they were going to introduce, like a stylus or keyboard and trackpad uh, support, um, you know, things that are, are transforming it, USB-C um, into um, something that is more Mac-like or more traditionally computer-like. But, you know, every year we get to this point of like, when are we going to cross to becoming to doing even more in it and the iOS or iPad OS is more siloed off. It has advantages, but it also um, holds back on flexibility. And I, I think in, in a time of, of lockdown where I have not gone out, I need my home equipment. Uh, the MacBook is extremely versatile. And I think that that versatility needs to flow more into the iPad. And I think that answers my next question, but if figure I should ask anyway, is just at this point, like, what do you find more useful, an iPad or iPad Pro, that top line iPad Pro, or one of these MacBooks with an M1 processor? I think the MacBook for what I do, because, you know, what am I doing? I'm, I'm writing, I'm zooming a lot. Uh, I am um, testing out things that may have extra weird browsery hook-ins, you know, whether it's a virtual Sundance festival or stuff like that. Things that, you know, may, a lot of times, or, or, or a Zoom theater piece for what I cover, they, they will say, uh, we don't recommend an iPad for this. Or we don't recommend it. You know, we prefer to use a laptop. So it's just a better safety zone for me for what I'm covering. That being said, I think I still feel like the iPad's presentation for, for videos, for for games is fantastic, but I would no longer say that it's the place for the best battery life or the best instant feel. I can get that just as easily if you're shopping for an M1 
uh, MacBook, you get that same thing, you know, and, and, and that rock solid reliability, it has really impressed me. So what really frustrates me is that people have to make a choice. And I think Apple has made it really hard for people to decide. And they launch these at different staggered windows, you know, where the iPad does not emerge at the same time. And then, then once it comes out, it's being seen as the computer of the future. So, you know, which one is? Uh, so I think they have to merge. Yeah, you, you talked about some of the advantages of the iPad going to the M1, like M1 MacBook, you know, things like the Instant On, being able to run apps really quickly. You know, obviously one of the the key traits of an iPad over Mac is still that touchscreen. So, do you think that touchscreen ever makes it over to the Mac? It really should, right? I mean, the, the MacBooks are Apple's Macs are the last domain where there's no touchscreen. Like everything else that I can think of is introduced it a long time ago or made a choice for some reason to maybe not super focus. But I mean, like touchscreen and stylus support, sure. Or have it flip around, be modular. You know, it that stuff's been out there for so long, it, it's obvious. Uh, I think Apple does seem focused on also people using multiple devices. So I think there's always been a proposition of get both, um, which is not realistic. I think if you get to a high enough price, the, you, the iPad is cost as much as a MacBook Air. So why can't it be, why can't those high-end models be fully flexible? We are really close to that though. Like I, I will say like with a magic keyboard on or a touchpad enabled anything, you, you could attach a mouse to it. Um, and the USB-C and... And the way the apps have been evolving, it is very laptop-like if you use an iPad. But there are moments where you go, wait, file support is still super weird. Um, how do I share things? Like our current work environment, I, don't, I think I would tear my hair out if I had to you do stuff um, that I, I – certain workflows – that you would have to do on a regular computer. Yeah, in terms of the the iPad and, and sort of the processor, do you think that it eventually also gets the M1 chip or is that something that's reserved for these MacBooks? I don't know. I could see it go both ways. It would make sense, right? It seems like the M1 chip can be done and it's not that far off from what the high-end iPad chips have been. Uh, I think it's a lot beefier on the multitasking stuff and, and graphics. And so... Um, Maybe they they push that through even more. I don't know what the hit on battery for that device would be, if that's feasible. Um, but I would expect that. And then I think it could open doors. The, the MacBook M1 can run iPad apps or iOS apps, even though I don't go to them that much because you, you mostly want to use them with touch. But a lot of them do run. And so I think that's also a demonstration of like, how it kind of feels like the same. But I just want more flexibility in Windows um, for apps. I want to be able to run multiple monitors and I want to be able to run, um, you know, just, just to be able to have browser support crossover even more to be the sort of stuff that we're used to. Okay, well, moving on, because I want to talk about another aspect of the feature of Apple and that's these persistent and pesky rumors of a VR headset, which... Right now, a lot of reports are pegging to come out sometime next year. What are you hearing about the, the Apple VR headset? I know. Well, I'm reading other people's reports, so I'm trying to suss it out. <laughs> and I hear right. I hear nothing myself, but it, it all makes sense. I, I, recently, there's been a flurry of new reports. Uh, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, Alex Heath, the information, have pointed stuff that we've been hearing about for years, going back to um, Shara Tivkin had, had talked about this years ago about it. 8K displays being on a headset, 
Yeah, the reports for Apple as smart glasses or AR glasses, but also a VR headset. And these two devices are coming more into focus, so to speak. Um, the headset looks like a very high-end device. The new reports and information say $3,000, which is crazy expensive. But it lines up with things like the HoloLens 2, or there's a company, a Finnish startup called Vario. I tried their headset a couple of years ago, and they have a new version. It sounds a lot like what Apple's gunning for. It has retina-level, like, incredibly high-res display that looked to me like pixel-free. Uh, it has, the new version has LiDAR. Uh, it can mix reality and, and, the, and VR. It has uh, eye tracking. Costs three to $5,000. And so that lines up a, a lot. And, the sa- and who are these for? These are for, like, creative professionals. You know, things like, you know, The Mandalorian, other things. There's a lot of stuff being created with VR now. Um, as part of the workflow. If Apple's looking at Pro Max and Pro Creative Tools, Pro VR 3D tool sets are a reasonable part of that picture because I think people getting into that creative space are dabbling with that more and more. Um, but then it looks like that's not for anyone of us. Now, it's an interesting thing, This the fact that they're talking about VR, the rumors are about VR because... You know, obviously, Apple and Tim Cook have been very high on AR, augmented reality, uh, less so about VR. So, why even come out with a VR headset? Uh, you know, out of blue, it seems like it's coming out of the blue. It does seem like that. If you look at the landscape, it doesn't seem like that at all. Qualcomm is one of the biggest players in the VR air landscape in that their chips run on basically almost all the headsets right now, um, and so. Looking at what they've been doing and what their roadmap, they've been communicating it for years. You could tell that everyone was shooting for smart glasses. Facebook is a great example. They admitted that their smart glasses are not anytime soon. You know, they're going to have one later this year with uh, Ray-Ban Luxottica, but it's not going to be AR, um, that magical AR thing. That could be years off. And it sounds like Apple's maybe too, that the technology is Anywhere everyone I've talked to is just not there yet. And it, the magic trick does not seem possible. But what you can do is you could start folding in elements of AR into VR. So companies are scanning using the same LiDAR and other technologies. You could mesh and scan the real world and you know bring it into your virtual world that's mixed reality. And so it's not putting stuff in the real world. It's taking elements of the real world and putting them into your VR and that can be really useful for things like over. if you could do pass-through, that bring makes it look, on the Vario headset I tried, it can look pretty convincing that you can see the real world pretty crisply. And you could overlay things like uh, Volvo's using that currently for safety features on dashboards. Um, you know, aerospace, people are using it. People are using it to design and lay out interiors. The stuff that you would expect AR to be used for. So Apple could lean on that and really build those uses in VR and then perfect them so that when the technology arrives on glasses years later, there's a flow, you know, and and they've figured out how do you interact with your hands? Like we don't even know, the new report says there'll be like a thimble-like accessory that you wear because you can't, all the VR controllers have these big game controller type things on your hands. That's fine for games, but like that's not good for getting your work done. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting you say that because it's uh, especially when you take into account the the price and the discussion about how this is really for pros. Uh, you know, 
when we look at a new Apple product, you know, we kind of look at, you know, its impact on really society, like the way it's popularized a smartphone, a tablet, smartwatch, the fact that, you know, a lot of people, millions of people own these products. Do you think that same dynamic is going to work with VR or is it just going to be completely different where it is more about pros and or or, or creatives or folks who could actually afford a $3,000 headset to actually put it to work? I think Apple's got to decide like which path and it sounds like they may be deciding that path as far as it's the high end, you know, the crazy expensive display territory that you're just not going to be able to afford. But if you aim for everybody else, and the Oculus Quest is a great example because that's $300. Uh, that is something that already has really interesting uses that don't exist elsewhere. Like I think I find for me the fitness stuff is has become really interesting on Quest where you can do these workouts that that are not perfect, but they create a space around you that you can be in compared to like, you know, Apple is putting Fitness Plus on a TV uh, or they're putting it on your iPad but what if your whole world around you could be your gym and it could track you? That idea is out there, and I think that would line up super super well with what Apple does. Um, and I think that type of fitness thing, though, requires affordable gear. Or, I mean, Pelotons are thousands of dollars, so maybe the, the, the ceiling could be really high uh, if they wanted to. But I think fitness is interesting. Gaming is obviously already there. Um, I think it gets more interesting to me, like, as you think of it as like an accessory, like headphones, you know, can you extend this as like your infinite display? Um, a lot of companies, Lenovo has a pair of glasses trying to create extra displays. I think as we're in our overzoomed life, you want to escape extra screens, but I think there's also a, a, a comfort idea of if you could build your own office space, or if you could, uh, make things bigger, easier to look at, um, and more flexible instead of staring at whatever screen you have. I think that's a really good pitch as well. Like, so I think that I think that Apple might be looking heavily at that. Companies like Facebook are still trying to solve office work on the v in VR, but it hasn't really been solved. Things don't play well with the devices you already have. So that's where maybe Apple with its chips could have this thing play well between Macs and iPads and phones. Yeah, there's a lot to consider. Thank you, Scott, for illuminating us with uh, with some possible scenarios for Apple. Uh, you can check out all of his coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>